Hey everyone, today's episode of Product Explained is brought to you by Exponent. Interested in pursuing a career in tech? Exponent can help you with coaching, courses, and community for aspiring young professionals. Check out Exponent today at www.tryexponent.com. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, uh, how weird is it to stand alone in a sculpture park for three to four hours just staring at your phone and not talking to anyone else? Uh, it's a little weird. Maybe if you just got broken up with, it's okay, but I think otherwise it's kind of strange. I may or may not have had a problem for about four years with uh with this episode that we're going to talk about. So I'm excited for this. <laughs> it's a lot. One. It's a lot of phone battery life. I think. Uh, I think the you know battery companies, external battery companies, will be happy. Today's show, we're talking about Pokemon Go, a mobile app made for those who love Pokemon and the thrill of catching them. So, Mike, what's Pokemon Go? Uh, so, Pokemon Go, it's a mobile app that is developed by Niantic Labs, a Silicon Valley software company. Uh, what it is, it's, it's an augmented reality or AR app based off of uh, the popular video game and animated series that a lot of you may remember from your childhood, uh, Pokemon. Um, And Pokemon was developed by Nintendo. uh, And it's actually a separate uh, entity now called the Pokemon Company. So for those of you who are addicted to the gameplay, similar to myself, um, you can actually even go screen free with uh, some of the offerings from Pokemon Go with what they call a Pokemon Go Plus, which is a wrist mounted device that you can interact with the, with the game. But basically how the game works is uh, you are a character in uh, in real world. So you walk around with your phone, you turn your phone's GPS on and you can interact with different places and different characters that you catch in the game. Now that I kind of say this out loud, I can't believe I've spent so many hours um, (laughs) playing in this game, but it's uh, super interesting. Um, And the business model is twofold. It's freemium and ad supported. So the freemium side of things, it's free to get started. You can download the app in your phone store of choice and you can immediately start playing. And then if you run out of anything in the app, like a... Uh, Pokeballs or... Yeah, you know, Pokeballs. candies or anything like that. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Um, you can purchase more of them. And it, it's interesting how Niantic has baked in some of these waiting mechanics into the game. So you can't just steamroll all the way through. A lot of it's time dependent. Um, where you might have to come back every single day to really get you that <laughs> hardcore addicted into the game and really, really sticky. The other side of the, the house in terms of the revenue for Niantic is the... It's supported with ads. Three or four years ago, one of the first big partnerships was uh, Starbucks and Sprint. So if you went to a Starbucks, it was actually what you called a Pokestop. So you could interact with the Pokestop by spinning that photo disc. So that was sponsored through Starbucks. So you're getting that visual placement, um, but you're also interacting with it every single day. So that was a really interesting way to generate foot traffic for all of these businesses, especially as everyone's going more and more online to, to shop. I think it's a really interesting way to sell ad space. So yeah, that's the app in a long nutshell. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting, a lot to unpack there. Yeah, and I wanna just um, add a couple things here. So like Mike said, a lot of the, I guess, well-known landmarks of the area are probably going to be Pokestops. And if you ever open up Pokemon Go, you'll notice that maybe a statue in your park is a Pokestop or maybe that local 
I don't know, bakery as a, as a Pokestop. I think people in the earlier stages that caught on that were tech savvy, they actually made the, their own restaurants Pokestops. Um, I think a lot of Boba stores did that, for example. So you would come by and not only would you be playing Pokemon Go, but you're like, ah, oh, maybe I'm thirsty or maybe I need to buy something here anyways so I can hang out. And you notice that a lot more people started to tap into that as a way to draw people. It's just advertising in some way, you know, like you mentioned, it's a way to draw people into your locale and your area and get them purchasing or get them to walk in front of your store, which is a little bit different of a marketing tactic. But I think another thing to mention too is that I think everybody probably knows what Pokemon is, but you know, for those of you that aren't (laughs) familiar, like Pokemon started years ago in the 90s. I think they released in the US in like 96, 97 uh, with the first Pokemon games for Game Boy. Um, but had started before that as well. There was an anime involved with Pokemon. There was a very popular trading card game where people collected cards. Um, Holographic cards were really, really popular and I think now worth a lot of money for some of them. Uh, And there's this whole new wave of um, people opening holographic cards on Twitch because there's a limited supply of them and that's a whole other topic to get into. But um, (laughs) what was really interesting about Pokemon Go was that Uh, Pokemon was a very, very nostalgic piece of culture that was really prevalent in most American kids. I mean, Japanese kids as well, but like it was something that everybody did or played uh, at our age. Cool kids, lame kids, everybody, nerds, everybody played Pokemon. dominated the school bus. Like someone you could trade Pokemon cards with anyone you wanted to on the school bus. Like at any hour, didn't matter what school (laughs) or what stop they were going to, what neighborhood. And I remember some trades going awry. Like people would always talk about like oh I, I traded that guy like what i told him was like a first edition butterfree for like a holographic charizard and like you pretty much felt like you got away with robbery and in today's day and age like you kind of did get away with robbery i'm pretty sure the charizard is worth like a thousand dollars or something crazy but um yeah like you know pokemon was this really big phenomenon but to be honest the title and the rights they've made pokemon games every couple of years for you know the game boy successor so game boy color game boy advance nintendo switch etc but they never really made something for mobile apps, even though, you know, mobile games had been around for a long time by the time Pokemon Go came around. So it was really interesting that this was the way that they kind of dove into it. I think everybody that has played Pokemon has wanted a, a larger Pokemon game outside of just the Pokemon world. And so this was the first foray into like the real world. I think the other foray into it is people are expecting some MMORPG at some point. Um, people have been asking for it for like 20 something years. In totally. The universe. And it's never... Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to come. <laughs> totally. And I think that's a really good uh, point to make is is like the, the early game mechanics and how it hasn't been widely adopted to, to mobile phones until Pokemon Go. Because mm-hmm. uh, in like the original Nintendo handheld Game Boy game, you were the character as a trainer and your goal was to uh, train and become the best Pokemon trainer. So you did that by catching po- wild Pokemon. You'd explore different regions and areas and towns uh, and then you'd also run into other trainers and train against them so you'd level up your mm-hmm. pokemon so you could collect badges and beat specific gym leaders, gym leaders. And, yeah mm-hmm. gyms were like the, the big uh kind of like levels that you uh or chapters maybe is a good way to put it within the game as as you were flowing when you're young and you're playing that game you're, you think that you're a trainer and you want to go out and and catch pokemon i think pokemon go gave you that ability <laughs> because like now you can walk around the world because you have your phone and the gps and you can put on this augmented reality and say hey oh this starbucks is a pokemon gym that's so cool i'm gonna go train against other trainers and uh gotta catch them all you know now yeah. now, now i'm getting excited jeff <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna go out and start playing exactly today and get some exercise i guess what's different about pokemon go that felt kind of different from the traditional pokemon games is that 
Training felt a little differently and battle felt a little differently. Like Pokemon Go to me felt a lot about exploration and catching Pokemon. And there are gym battles, but when I played Pokemon Go, if I remember correctly, the battles felt a little different than like what it felt like in the game. Like it felt like every move had its own animation and was very different or whatever. I think it felt a little differently in Pokemon Go. Is that right? Or you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, for the f- for the first two or three years, it was less dynamic. Like it wasn't really yeah. like player versus player. It was kind of just you're collecting Pokemon and you're trying to basically level up within the game and get gain experience points. They've added a few features recently where you can battle trainers and it is that back and forth where it's like, hey, I'm going to put out, you know, my Pokemon that's like a water Pokemon against a Pokemon that's a electric Pokemon and, and all sorts of things like that. What is really cool about Pokemon Go and something that they've kind of captured, I think other games have done this too, is um, basically like in-game events. So Fortnite is really popular for this, um, doing some really popular worldwide in-game events, like they'll, they'll host concerts in Fortnite. But what's really cool about Pokemon Go, which makes it feel more like being in the Pokemon world was there's these events that will release like legendary Pokemon, for example. And you know that that legendary Pokemon is only in one region or it's traveling across the world. And you might be one of the lucky players that like stumbles across this Pokemon. Um, it's very unlikely that you'll catch them, but you might actually get a chance to catch them and it'd be really cool. But so this idea that like, even though these, it's not real Pokemon moving about, you know, it's an algorithm behind running all these things, you get this sense and this feeling that like my next encounter might be with this really rare legendary Pokemon and I might get an opportunity to be one of the few people that like come across them. So I think that's a really, really cool feeling that it lights up in people when they play Pokemon Go. And it's just like really incredible how they've captured that inside the true real world. It, it like expands the Pokemon world into a real world and kind of intermingles the two. Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't know the actual like psychology behind it, but I, I imagine that there's a ton that's going into it of just these super rare events and you just feel super special that you get this and you get that dop- dopamine hit when you do, you know, catch something that has a one in 1000 chance of, yeah. of, of catching or maybe it never even shows up in the normal game mechanics. And to your point, it only shows up during uh, a special event. So you're gonna get super pumped for that and build up that excitement. There's a bunch of cool elements about Pokemon that make it like great and I think like makes it really exciting for different people like Pokemon the game was a lot about training and battle and like people that are really into Pokemon the game are really into like training the Pokemon the right way putting together a really good team composition and like fighting and then people will play like internationally or like on the web now um and then the card game was like partially about building the decks most people didn't know how to play the card game I I didn't learn actually until a lot later uh how to play the training card game even though it wasn't that difficult but mostly it was around the collection of cards like getting rare cards and you get that same feeling, right? Catching rare Pokemon, playing Pokemon totally. Go. So I think that's like some really cool things that they've kind of captured in the game. I think shifting gears a bit, I, I want to talk about the company behind Pokemon Go. And that was Niantic Labs. Um, Niantic was uh, founded in 2010 by John Hankey, who was a Google employee. Um, so it's kind of started as a Google in-house startup and actually spun out of Google to make a game called Ingress, which is a popular RPG game uh, that, like Mike mentioned, used your GPS location to fight battles between factions. I just want to say about Ingress, like I loved Ingress. I was one yeah. of like the, the the first like adopters. I think it was in 2012. It was like right when I got my first job out of college in a new city. I was in Boston and I remember walking around to different locations because again, Ingress was location-based using your yeah, phone's yeah. mobile and battling other people because you're basically one faction against another mm-hmm. faction. Um, and so you're trying to basically gain 
control of different areas in the city. Yeah. So yeah. I would walk all throughout like Boston. Jets and, like, versus Sharks or whatever. It, <laughs> in, uh, exactly. West Side Story. <laughs> exactly. But I remember just like walking and it was a really cool way for me to discover new areas in the city. I remember I lived in the Little Italy neighborhood in Boston, the North End, and learned a lot about the sculptures because in the game, there was a description of the sculpture and some actual history that you saw. So I, I loved Ingress. I thought it was a really cool way to you know start building out augmented reality. And this was eight years ago, nine years ago. I think people like really like that part that you're mentioning. There's a little bit of history about the statue or people take pictures of the placards that are on the statue so you can learn about it. And so it's not only a game, but you're getting a little bit of exercise and you're getting a little bit of culture as you're kind of going through cities. And I think that's really neat. I'm sure that a lot of other tourism type companies or apps could take a lesson from gamifying their tourist apps and be making it scalable. Yeah. Um, so going back to Niantic, so it spun out of Google. It was a Google startup uh, and it kind of spun out in 2015 when Google restructured into Alphabet. Um, and they actually raised their Series A, which included 30 million. But what's important is who helped raise that money, which was three big hitters. It was Google, Nintendo themselves, and then the Pokemon company all kind of uh, fronted some money to raise um, the Series A for this company. So they obviously saw a lot of value in it. I think that's really interesting because... Google as a company is, I think, pretty well known for some innovation, sometimes a little bit ahead of its time. You think about Google Glass and how it was pretty much a market failure, but it was really exciting to a lot of people. You think of a lot of some of the other products that Google had nixed, like Google Wave and, you know, totally. you don't want to talk about all the different social medias that have died. But Nintendo traditionally has been in some ways innovative, but some ways behind the ball. And I mentioned that because everyone remembers when the Nintendo GameCube, which I loved, but was for all intents and purposes, was kind of a market failure um, compared to the PlayStation and the Xbox. Um, they Nintendo then had to shift gears and they had to come out with a Nintendo Wii, which if you remember was a really big hit because Nintendo Wii was the first to use motion censored controls and they stopped targeting the same users at the Xbox and the Play. They didn't want to totally. compete in the same space. Um, and I thought was a, that was a brilliant idea. So the Wii started to focus on family games, started to focus on party games a bit more. They had less of like the shooter titles that PlayStation and Xbox did. They didn't focus so much on computing power and graphics, but they focused a lot more on the core Nintendo titles as well as that Wii gameplay. And now that's kind of evolved now to the Nintendo Switch, which still has remote control and is still focused around party gameplay for the most part. So I think that's really interesting. And Nintendo... Definitely also is notorious for having really bad multiplayer. I don't know if you've ever tried to play multiplayer on a- Hey, now, um, I, I grew up on GoldenEye. Though That's the best multiplayer that you can- So couch co-op is great for Nintendo, but if you try to do matchmaking with, like, let's say play Pokemon against somebody or else, or even like Mario Tennis, I've tried this before, you can't just invite a friend. You have to like make a room and they hope to find it. So it's just like a really weird backwards way. So there are some things that they do really well, I'll say, and some things that they don't. But to your point, Jeff, like the, uh, yeah, Nintendo knew what they were going to be good at and they, they were never never going to have that arms race of like throwing as much GPU power and computing power and RAM and all of the bells and whistles into their console. They just wanted to focus on the Nintendo experience, yeah. uh, which I think is interesting of maybe that's why they just, I mean, they obviously led to the investment into uh, Niantic Labs. Yeah, I think I, I think it's really interesting because they always attack this the problem from really novel and unique angles. Um, so like it's it's super cool that they do that. 
So yeah, they funded Series A. After that, they acquired a bunch of smaller game companies to kind of boost their portfolio and acquire some really cool technologies. Pokemon Go was released and it was a smash hit in 2016. It, it was an overnight rave. Like once you heard about it, everyone wanted to try it. And a lot of people I know started to download it. And, you know, there was a big flurry of players in the first few months. So I, I, I can remember seeing a Reddit post that a Pokemon game was coming from the company that brought you Ingress. And I was a huge like excited, underground yeah. Ingress fan. I'm like, this yeah. is amazing. And like, I knew that Google, you know, or when back when Niantic was in Google, that they were using all that data to kind of just build out this user generated map content right. where they can get super detailed. Like, you know, I would go to like, different memorials in Boston and type in all the, all the details. Um, but then when I found out there was a Pokemon game going, I was like, oh my God, this is like, everything's happening all at once. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the day that Pokemon came out, it was, I think June 6th or July 6th of 2016, I was in Costa Rica. Like my fiance and I, we were <laughs> like, traveling on vacation <laughs> and I downloaded the app and I had no data cause I didn't have a really good data plan back then that was mm -hmm. international. And I ended up like using up all of our data playing Pokemon Go like on my vacation <laughs> in Costa Rica. And I just remember like, uh, like Adrian, my fiance, just being like, Mike, why are you playing this game that like we're on vacation? I'm like, you don't know how big this is. This is amazing. This is and just deal. like, this is bigger than both of us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I, it's just, it, it's funny because I can still remember the excitement of downloading the app and, um, catching my first Pokemon and getting it. And you could, it's geotagged, like where you catch the Pokemon. So yeah. like, I still have that Pokemon Memory, from like four yeah. years ago. And it's like, I, I still like look at it and I'm like, I remember like where I was. I was in yeah. Costa Rica. <laughs> Anyways, a little I bit of a I think it's super tangent. cool. Like geotagging aside, that's also a really cool thing. I think we've talked about other types of geotagging. Like we talked about um, things like Strava and tracking your trails and stuff like that. I think that stuff is super, super cool. Like placing you at a particular point in time. It's kind of creepy for some people, but I, I kind of like the idea of like going back and, and remembering that particular memory. Yeah, Pokemon Go was super successful in 2016. It was downloaded over 100 million times with revenues of over... $10 million daily in the early few months of its product launch. By December of the year that it launched, Pokemon Go players had walked a cumulative 8.7 billion kilometers, which to give you some perspective is farther than the distance from walking from Earth to Pluto. So that's pretty nuts. Um, and in 2017, Niantic announced that they were developing a Harry Potter game, which is called Wizards Unite, uh, which officially released in 2019. I remember there was a lot of fanfare around that, but I don't think it's been, it's blown up the same way that Pokemon Go did. Not that, not that I know of. <laughs> my only proxy for that is I'm, I'm one of four, so all of my siblings, we all mm -hmm. play Pokemon Go. So um, it's kind of interesting, like for the past like four years, like be it all the major holidays, like Christmas or Easter, we go back to Buffalo and we walk around the city playing Pokemon, like a bunch of, you know, 30 something weirdos, <laughs> like <laughs> like staring at our phones. But it's it's fun to, to, to do that. But I, I mentioned that anecdote because my sister is the only person that I know that plays this the Harry Potter Wizards Unite game. Um, I know I would love it. Because it has a lot of the same game mechanics as yeah. uh, Pokemon, but I just know that I can't like, go down do that rabbit catch, hole. What do you catch though, or is there like, are you like, is there anything about catching anything, or is just geolocation is the only core, you know, mechanic or co core feature? There's some other like gamified things that have like Harry Potter references mm -hmm. that like uh, I think with like spells. Um, again, like I've just like watched from a distance because like I know my personality is that I'm gonna love it, so I I can't go down that time sink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Um, so yeah, I think let's talk about who the main users or proponents of, of Pokemon Go are for. Obviously, people like us who you know liked Pokemon growing up as kids. But who else? 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's for the school bus, you know, like I said, like everyone on the mm-hmm. school bus was playing Pokemon Go. So if you think that whole generation that grew up, it's Pokemon Go is really for that nostalgic, casual gamer. Um, it really, that seems to be the persona that yeah. uh, Pokemon Go is, is going for. You got to think it's a pretty big segment. You know, we all have these fond memories of, you know, playing anything from N64 at like a sleepover in seventh, eighth grade. Um, to trading Pokemon cards and all of that's encapsulated into this app now that you have a little bit of money to to, to spend on these, these games and all of that. Yeah. Um, but that that's who I would say Pokemon goes for. And it's been a success. Like, as you mentioned, it's just massive revenues. Like in the first month, I think it was over $200 million. And then they were one of the fastest uh, mobile apps to $100 million um, in just 20 days, which is wild to, to yeah. grow that fast. It's a pretty sticky product. Um, sticky in the sense of customers are super engaged with it. Um, I, I saw a really cool stat that 58% of all of the users within Pokemon Go are monthly users. So they're opening up the app oh, yeah. and constantly use and using it once a month. And 23% are daily active users. When you get a quarter of all of your customers you know, co- coming back every single day, the mechanics are, are pretty good. I know like one of my initial complaints with the game was that I couldn't explore everything all at once mm-hmm. i had to kind of wait and like it was almost a cool down period between things um and there's certain maximums during each day uh, but it, i think it was kind of brilliant because you're just diving into the human psychology of wanting to complete the task yeah. but just spreading yeah. it out over a longer period of time so um i think for about like four years i was just playing every single day just to yeah. keep going yeah just because you know you had to come back i think it's interesting because there's like this delayed gratification where people have to come back and i think other games use the same thing like i think of clash of clans i think is a game that does the same thing where you have to you can do some things as you level up you have to wait in between actions and the alternative is that you pay for your time so you pay to speed things up and then people start paying money because they're like i don't want to wait around whereas in the past games are just like you get it and you finish as fast as you can finish it so there's no no such thing as waiting around but i think it's super interesting how they how they kind of use that um, to their advantage to you know generate some stickiness. Yeah, and I think that another interesting thing too is that leveling up was exponentially harder from each level to each level. So mm-hmm. going yeah. from like levels like one to five was essentially going like later in the game, only going up like one level. And then after going from like levels like 20 to 25 was the same as going to to level like 29 or 30. I don't know the, the exact uh, yeah. ratios, but it was just yeah. so hard to put you, but it was just something that you just had to do like you're like i have to grind it out get to that like next level and that's where i think like to your earlier point about the pokemon cards originally were for people that just wanted to collect things and sometimes the pokemon game like was about grinding it out and Mm -hmm. you know training and battling and that's where i think the the balance was where within pokemon go you can still collect pokemon but you can also grind it out through the levels so i I think they tried to weave in that aspect of the game as well i see yeah some other statistics that I saw about the game usage to give you an idea of those active users, 57% are playing one to three hours per day, which is a pretty significant amount of time. And 29% played less than one hour. And then 14% played more than three hours per day. That's crazy that like around 60% of players put aside between an hour and three hours of the day playing uh, this game. Like I, I wonder if there's anything that I do like that every day. Probably, like I'm sure I use some platforms like at least an hour a day. But every day is pretty incredible. Like if you think about, yeah, you work, do, use some stuff for work and you'll spend a couple hours on that, but you don't do it on the weekends. So it kind of balances out. But 
for a game, you know, something that's pure pleasure and it's something that they're coming back and something that they want to do proactively. That's pretty incredible. Like 60% of people play between one and three hours a day. And that is why I was afraid to play the Harry Potter Wizards Unite game. <laughs> <laughs> because I indexed on the, on the higher usage of the of, of the game. Yeah. Um, but I, I think to like, to, you know, to your point that of like that is a large amount of time is that especially when I was commuting in Boston or Seattle when I was walking to work, I could do it during my commute. So yeah, I'm like walking to work for 20, 25 minutes a day, but I just have the app open and I'm catching yeah. Pokemon as I go. And right. um, it's kind of just baked into that um, that routine. So I don't know if I was competing with anything else other than maybe a podcast that I <laughs> might have been listening right. to. Yeah. I was just going to say podcast for me is the commuting thing that I would do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. So it's like it's time otherwise that was set aside for leisure. It's not like they're carving it out for something else, but they're choosing to spend it on Pokemon Go. Exactly. And that was when I was playing alone. And like the, the only times that I, I really dove into uh, dedicated time was during, you know, community days or events. And I would I had a small group in Rochester in grad school where we would, you know, walk around and just kind of like shoot the breeze like and talk and also just mm -hmm. play Pokemon Go. It was like super casual. And um, it was actually a ton of fun to like go to the sculpture park to to see everyone like interacting and like there's like all these kids there and like they're with their parents as well and like um there's some people that are like uh super into the, the fitness side of things and they're they're telling you how many steps they've increased um so yeah it was just a really cool dynamic but like those like three hours on a saturday is probably the most i would carve out like individually rather than like the one hour like commuting yeah yeah totally another mechanic that you didn't talk a lot about was the augmented reality side of things so Within the app, there's a ability to, you know, give access to your camera, and then you can actually overlay a Pokemon in on your screen. So like it, you're actually looking out into, you know, your room or the sculpture park, and you you see this little like cartoon character of a Pokemon that you can throw a Pokeball and, and try to catch it. <laughs> um, so I, th I think it's really cool. It's definitely a niche use of um, augmented reality, but it's obviously like widely adopted and super sticky. So I think that from a gaming perspective and even just the interaction and how like the whole entire augmented reality market, I think Pokemon Go is like a really interesting tip of the spear into that. Yeah. And just for some reference, Statista estimates that there's going to be 27 million shipments of AR VR headsets by 2023. And that's just two and a half years away. So um, I can definitely see more games and more integrations like Pokemon Go into, um, into the AR space. It's interesting that you mentioned the AR thing because they could have made Pokemon Go just a location-based app. And it could have been like you're in app and you walk around, maybe just like a Google map thing, and then you run into Pokemon, but they added the fact that there was augmented reality. So you're actually looking through the lens of your phone and then, hey, why is there like a Squirtle sitting on that bench? And then you like try to <laughs> capture it or whatever. So I think that that's really neat. Um, and I think it's a really cool way to utilize AR that, you know, maybe wasn't necessarily considered before Pokemon Go. And now I think a lot of other uh, gaming companies and apps are starting to capture a similar um, I guess, experience in their own games with AR VR, which wasn't necessarily done before. Um, speaking of which, let's dive into some of the competitors or other players in the space. I think obviously within the gaming realm, you think of companies like Oculus Rift um, that are, you know, these like AR VR headsets, but you also think about other uses that are more familiar, things like Instagram filters. Like there's a lot of augmented reality now where they're changing how your face looks or they're placing things around you or, you know, they're using your video or image and augmenting that in order to get, you know, some cool effect. 
Um, that's one way that they're doing it. Another way that they're using AR VR now is in the e-commerce or retail space or even real estate. So the idea is that, for example, Ikea has a place app. So you can place an Ikea furniture in your room. And so you can kind of visualize on how that would look like before you buy it. Well, that's an overpromise. No yeah. assembly required. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ikea assembly already is supposed to be really easy, but here it is um, already pre-built. That's cool. Um, though. I like that. There's actually the study about spatial visualization and not everybody is really good at understanding how space fits in a room. Like some people don't understand that this 10 foot couch is going to have a hard time fitting in a nine foot room for whatever reason, um, or they can't really visualize how things will kind of place in a room. Um, so having something like this certainly helps. It kind of does the legwork for you, puts things into perspective. So that goes for not only buying things like furniture, but also things like real estate, you know, being able to walk through a house. I think now Zillow and Trulia have the virtual walkthroughs. You can kind of go through step by step and look at different portions of the home without ever having to physically visit the home. So you don't have to make the trip out. Uh, and even things like healthcare, where there are surgeons now that are putting VR headsets and doing virtual surgeries. It's just like, you know, an adult or modern day version of the game of operation. For uh, sure. But, um, so it's really neat. It's really interesting to see uh, how people are utilizing AR, VR. And even Niantic themselves, by releasing a game like Harry Potter, they're kind of can cannibalizing their own product in some ways. It's interesting to see, you know, how, how many AR, VR games are going to come out trying to compete with a game like Pokemon Go. Yeah. And I wonder even just like, I mean, you kind of teased on this earlier of just like from a timing perspective, like are people going to carve out specific time to game? And if they're doing that specific time to game, is it going to be Pokemon Go? Is it going to be a mobile app? Or is it, are they just going to turn on their console or the handheld like Nintendo Switch? Um, I don't know if like I have a really crisp answer to that, but my inkling is that it probably doesn't compete with with that. I think COVID time is is, is kind of weird to under like yeah. look at that because everyone's like at home and on their phones. Yeah, as someone who is like a pretty avid gamer, I would say like I have every I have a PC, I've got a PS4, I've got an Xbox, I have a Nintendo Switch. Like I unfortunately have collected all the um, all the gemstones, if you will. I, I do think that there is some cannibalization. I do tend to play some games over the other. But it's weird because like I don't play my Nintendo Switch on the train ride to work before COVID. Like I didn't want to bring my Nintendo Switch out, even though it was meant for mobile gaming. Um, and I would, in that case, if I wanted to play a game, play it on my phone because I have it anyways. Like so, I think the situation, like the gaming consoles, have certain situations that they will be most useful in. And I think you know something like a mobile AR game like Pokemon Go will definitely have its place because at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to take an Xbox with you. That has totally. that same level of computing power until in the future, your phones are basically, you know, supercomputers. Yeah. And, and that's where like, I, I think just like anecdote of one, I know how I would sometimes when I carved out that mental like Saturday, I'm going to take four hours and just game like an Xbox, for example, mm -hmm. when the screens were loading, that's when I would play Pokemon Go. Mm, so yeah. I was kind of doing both where I'm yeah. like, hey, like I'm doing this like really quick hitter on the phone so I can keep all my screens. Kind of maximize your gaming. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um Cool. So you, you think it's review time, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can jump in first. So I think in terms of Pokemon Go, what I really enjoyed about it was they took a blue sky technology like AR and they integrated it into uh, something that was well known and uh, familiar and accessible to everybody, which was Pokemon as well as the mobile phone. So I think they really nailed the product market fit on the head. Obviously, 
I wouldn't say that there was a need for it. People didn't think at the time, I need an AR game for Pokemon, but it was certainly the perfect storm. And it was one of those cases where they picked a really great product. They had a really strong backing. There's deep history with Pokemon and the users that you know their target audience were. And I think that that made the game really attractive to a lot of people. I can't really speak too much to the pricing. For freemium models, I'm not always the one to pay for all the add-ons. I have before, like I bought battle passes in games. I bought, you know, skins and things like that in games, but it really depends. Like if, I'm, if I know I'm playing that game for a long, long time, like for example, I played League of Legends for like 10 plus years, I will spend money on the game knowing that, hey, I've probably gotten my money's worth of, you know, entertainment out of the game. Totally. So I don't mind, you know, committing back to the company. Um, I really like the overall strategy that Niantic has, you know, done in the past. It seems like they've acquired these cutting edge technologies and they're not afraid to build out these games to see how they fit. Obviously, Pokemon Go has done a lot of really novel things, not only GPS location-based tracking, but also with AR, but also with event-type gameplay. And they kind of create this collaborative um, and communal unit that you go around and you play Pokemon Go with your community and you may meet up with Pokemon groups. I know a friend of mine that does that. You know, He plays Pokemon Go 24-7. He's met a ton of players on Pokemon Go. He has these groups that they'll go and play together. I think they're part of the same Pokemon gym. You mentioned factions in Ingress. There's you know, obviously these different colored gyms in Pokemon Go. This idea that you are a trainer in this broad world and you might you know, come across this really novel experience as a trainer it makes it really exciting to play Pokemon. And it's not like everybody that's playing it goes through the same thing. It's not a very linear story. So I think that that's really neat. So I think if I were to give Pokemon Go uh, a review rating, I would probably give it like a 4.25. I think it's really awesome. I don't play it as much as like, I actually own one of the more recent Pokemon games for Nintendo Switch. That to me is like more in line of what my personal expectations of Pokemon are, but I can totally understand why people play Pokemon Go, like the collection portion of it, the idea that you're traveling, that you are a trainer out in the wild, that you can run into some really rare legendary Pokemon. That is all really, really exciting to me. And I'm, it's really awesome that they've captured that in, in the app. Yeah, no, I, I definitely um, would agree with you. I think my overall like rating for Pokemon Go, uh, I think it has to be close to a five star just because I was so addicted for so long that I think I was like the perfect customer. And I, I really enjoyed the the app. You know, I think the product market fit, like obviously I was like the nostalgic casual gamer that had a lot of, had like an hour to kill every single day mm-hmm. for my, yeah. my commute. So it was, it was perfect for me. Pricing, I have the same thinking that you have with pricing is that I'll, if I'm going to spend a lot of money or spend a lot of time in this, I'll like, I, I have no problem you know, spending a little bit of, of money in game. So my thinking is that I would spend like $60 on a game. And I was that was kind of my budget for Pokemon Go for the, the whole life of me using it. Overall strategy, 100% agree where it was uh, on everything that you touched on, on integrating the technologies. I think that they definitely picked a winner with Pokemon that it was had that huge nostalgic factor. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that has that. So I, I don't know if another company could potentially repeat that or if this is kind of a, a, a one-time thing. It's definitely not a flash in the pan. I think Pokemon is definitely here to here to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think being able to partner or, or use that um, storyline of Pokemon as the, the vehicle is, was super clutch. I, I think overall, I would, I would rate this like a 4.8. I think I'm going to give it my highest rating yet. Yeah, those are our thoughts, but we'd love to hear from you. So tell us more about what you think about Pokemon Go. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us or subscribe in your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And let us know what other products you'd like us to review next. See you next episode.